You are listening to Victory 91.5. I'm Quincy. This is Q in the Morning. We have our general manager, Ray Haynes, here with us as we get to learn more about Hanukkah and this uh, definitely ear-catching title of <laughs> Robbing Robin Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Yes, I love it. Uh, we've already broken down a little bit about what Hanukkah is and why this title. And uh, so now, as you were headed out of the last section and coming into this one, talking about how there's no Christmas without Hanukkah, that probably blew some Santa hats off somewhere. So <laughs> let's get into that a little bit. And you said your son had some questions for you last night. Too, That's right? right. He did. Thank you for reminding me. We He said that he's got a friend that has uh, a stepfather that's Jewish, and he mentioned how Hanukkah is not actually what we think it is when it's pronounced that way, and as we normally do with any you know language that isn't English, we we tend to mess it up when sure. we put it in English. So help us out with that. Sure. So Hanukkah works. It just it's for a, for an English mouth. That's about as close as you're going to get because you'll sometimes see it with a, spelled with a ch instead of an h, and basically that letter was removed from the alphabet. I think by the Romans they added letters, took out letters, and so that Hebrew sound of <laughs> that sound mm -hmm. is which is not a really pleasant English sound. No, it, no, it doesn't work in our mouth, right? So. We don't put that onto words. It's Hanukkah would be Hanukkah would be the would All probably right. be the closest version you'd get. But obviously, you know, people would think you're you're choking or coughing. I was going to say it hurts problem, my throat right? just thinking about because it. it's just not it's not a letter in our alphabet, <laughs> especially sound, this right? time of year. It's hard enough. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> you're choking on a candy cane. So so yeah, uh, I think for in our case, in most cases, when you run into that particular sound in the Hebrew language, just just go with a soft H for English and it'll just, it'll do just fine. And it'll save your throat. A lot, a lot less lozenges if you do it that way. And frankly, most Jewish people would have a better chance of understanding what you're saying anyway. So, and, and you know, you know, not shockingly, they have to endure all the different qualities of language. And unlike Americans who we, we only speak English, they generally speak three or four or five languages. Right. So when they hear the word, they know what you're talking about. So I just say, you know, <laughs> make it simple on yourself. Just call it Hanukkah and keep on moving. There we go. Well, I'm very glad to know that a little better this morning. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's talk about the Hanukkah story. What in the world is Hanukkah? Well, let's go back in time, and we got to go back to B.C., all right? So we're going to go backwards in time. The Greek ruler Antiochus IV, also known as Epiphanes, uh, reigned over the Syrian kingdom from 175 to 164 B.C. He was one of the guys that took over the generals of Alexander the Great after he died, and he had the region that included where Israel is. And he declared that, declared that every faith other than the Hellenistic Greek worship of idols was forbidden. Mm. Now, obviously, you know, that's not going to work well for the Jews. He declared the Hebrew Bible, the Sabbath, the worship of Jehovah, the God of Israel, and circumcision all illegal. The penalty was severe, as in throwing, throwing them off the, the temple, and just, it was, it was pretty bad. The Jewish people were caught even possessing their biblical text or observing any of the traditions, they would be killed. Mm -hmm. So it, it was not a good time, and, and it went on for years. But God raised up a remnant that remained devoted to him. The remnant was the Maccabee family. Now, Matthias, now, Maccabees, by the way, is not their actual name. It means hammer. And because they were warriors, that became the, the title for their family, but it's not truly their name. Matthias, who was a Jewish priest, and his five sons, along with a group of Jewish fighters, who shared the family's devotion to Jehovah. Well, 
Antiochus, as part of what he did, apart from just killing a lot of people and torturing, he plundered the Jewish temple, set up an idol, mocked the nation of Israel by offering a pig sacrifice on the altar to Zeus there, thereby obviously desecrating their temple. The temple became a pagan temple through those years. So though the Maccabees were vastly outnumbered and overpowered, and I mean massively, you're talking Greece versus this little family and all their other folks. Still, they cried out to God and against all odds, they defeated this mighty Syrian Greek army in many battles. And finally, after the war for Jerusalem was won, they rose up and they cleansed that desecrated temple. The Maccabees liberated the temple, cleared the temple of idols, they tore down the defiled altar, and on the third anniversary of its defilement, dedicated and consecrated a new one, and as I mentioned earlier, Hanukkah means dedication, and they relet the temple's menorah. Now, this is where you probably grew up if you if you celebrated Hanukkah, where things, the truth and the story become divergent. Uh, the fiction begins there. As the story and traditions go, they lit the temple menorah, and they only had enough oil to burn for a single day, but God miraculously multiplied the oil, which was enough to keep the menorah lit for eight days. And so you'll see on Hanukkah, there is, instead of a regular menorah, it's which has seven candles or lights, the Hanukkah one has nine, because of eight days plus the, the candle in the middle that you light. So... Let's separate truth from fiction. The battle, the victory, the cleansing of the temple were all factual history. And they're described in 1st Maccabees and 2nd Maccabees. It's not in our Bible, but it is in the Jewish Bible. The Apocrypha, yeah. Yeah. But it was written shortly after the events took place. So it's a pretty good summary of what happened. Both books describe the event in detail, but neither says a word about the miracle of the oil. So one would have to ask if the miracle of the oil was part of what happened. Surely, yeah, it's not. It's not mentioned at all in a single source that predates the destruction of the temple. So the oil story is just that. It's a story invented after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Now, what the Maccabees did write about is why the festival was created, why it is eight days. It had nothing to do with a miraculous oil. They failed to observe Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, while they were fighting the Greeks. So as soon as they liberated the temple, they referred back to the rule in Numbers 9. Sometimes I'll come in and teach on second Passover. It's not like the... Um, the third and fourth breakfast. It's actually a second Passover. If someone fails to take part in the first Passover, the sacrifice of that first month of Passover, they could observe a second Passover in the second month. So they thought, well, they declared a second Sukkot, a second Feast of Tabernacles, as they cleansed the tabernacle and made it a law that their descendants would celebrate this victory and freedom with an eight-day celebration each year, a second Feast of temple, uh, Tabernacles for the restored temple. And they did that because they were at war during the Feast of right. Tabernacles, right? So they needed a second. They needed to do over. So the rabbis of the Talmud identified only two holidays on which a Jew is required, if necessary, to even sell his own clothing to observe them properly, Passover and Hanukkah. And it is that Talmud is where we get all the stories going on. So, ever since 164 B.C., the Jews celebrated the cleansing of the temple by the Maccabees with this festival called Hanukkah, dedication, the festival of lamps or festival of lights. But in that time, even in the time of Jesus, there was... Uh, no mention of any miraculous oil. The first time this miracle is ever mentioned in the Babylonian Talmud is between 200 A.D. and 500 A.D. 
hundreds of years after the event. Mm. So the reason for the fiction seems pretty straightforward. After the Romans destroyed the temple and the altar in 70 AD, it appears that the rabbis invented the oil miracle to give new significance to this Hanukkah festival, which is all about the victory over the Greeks and the destruction of the temple altar back in 165 BC. It was a rally kind of thing. So... How could this miraculous oil fiction become the festival's primary focus? Because right now, that's all you hear about is those mm-hmm. the eight lighting the candles one by one, all the Talmud stuff, the rabbinic stuff. Well, the reason it became such focus is lighting the menorah was a huge part of rededicating that temple. So the focus was already on the menorah because it was second Feast of Tabernacles. So let's shift to... To Jesus is part in this. During Sukkot, these giant... Now, this again, Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles. During that festival, gigantic candelabras are are placed within the court of the women in the temple. Four young men, they got these 10-gallon pitchers of oil. They'd climb ladders, fill these four golden bowls on each of the candelabra. The oil in those bowls was ignited. Now, the temple, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, it's on, a, it's on a hill above the rest of the city. So you could, and this thing is massive, three, four, five stories. Mm-hmm. So you can see it from everywhere. So it was a sight to see. And the light reminded the people of how God's Shekinah glory had once filled his temple. Well... If you remember that light and that glory first descended on Mount Sinai at the giving of the law, filled the tabernacle in the wilderness, filled Solomon's temple at his dedication. So God removed his glory from Solomon's temple due to Israel's relentless sin and never returned. So the eventual result was the destruction of the glory-less temple by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Even when Herod built this second temple, the glory never returned to rest mm. on the temple again. In fact, Jesus would call it my father's house, but the, the Shekinah or the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory would only return when the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus, and he came and went in the temple. There was never a, a remaining presence of the Holy Spirit. When he arrived at that Sukkot 2,000 years ago, the eighth day of the feast, he declared everybody there, I am the light of the world. Mm. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, as he left the temple after saying that for the Mount of Olives, retracing the steps of the departure of the glory in Ezekiel's day, it was no longer his father's house. His words were very telling. He said, look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yehovah. Now, at his crucifixion, the temple was obviously left desolate, unprotected once again, because there's no Holy Spirit. The glory would fall on the disciples and others at Pentecost that same year. But the glory did not return to the temple. The eventual result that the Roman destruction of that temple in 70 AD. Now, and later in John 10, 22, we see Jesus attending Hanukkah. It's now winter. And Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. So it was something that he took part in. So, but their only miraculous oil or light in the temple was Jesus. Hmm. Simply put, Hanukkah was always about something very different. His glory in a entering a desecrated temple and bringing light into darkness. Specifically, it was a shadow and type of God leaving heaven's glory, entering a young girl's dark womb to bring light into our sin-filled darkness. Isaiah 60, chapter chapter 60, verse 1, I think sums it up pretty well. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of Jehovah has risen upon you. Mm. So Hanukkah is about the Holy Spirit coming, filling us receiving Jesus and us now being that light of the world, shining the light of Jesus. And Mm. obviously, 
if you're missing that part of the Christmas celebration, you're you're missing it because you're focused so much on the birth of Jesus, what actually happens in the fall. You're missing the other parts that actually happen at Christmas time, which we'll jump on a little bit more. And uh, they they highlight, make you focus on the birth of Jesus because it comes before and after. And and it's a I just I love Christmas because it's a wonderful season. But I do think that. Uh, it helps to uh, understand Hanukkah so you can get the rest of the story.